0: Another wonderful thing that we get to do, um, people on social media, there are so many people that are taking the opportunity to get on an airplane and fly across the country to see the world, um, which is amazing. So this morning, I want to ask if any one of you has ever been on a flight, whether it's international, where it's local, that, that the um, fasten your seatbelt sign hasn't come on ever during the flight. Anyone? Eva? No. No. Why? Because on a flight, if you could have the most amazing pilot, you can have the most wonderful, warm, hopefully summer beach waiting on the other side of the flight, there will be turbulence on that flight. The pilot will experience it, the airline staff will experience it, you and all the other passengers on that flight will experience turbulence. And because we all know that, there are plans and and strategies in place to be able to handle that turbulence when that comes. And that is true for us as Christians and as believers of Christ as well. So if you're thinking I'm coming to tell you that everything is going to be wonderful, it's wonderful with no problems, I'm sorry. (laughs) Sorry. That's not what God says. God says we will experience turbulence. We will have to endure hardships and hard times. We have to take up our cross and follow Jesus. And when we are sitting on that plane on our way to our wonderful destination, and the pilot, the pilot makes an announcement and he says, Ladies and gentlemen, I'm sorry, but the turbulence and the discomfort is just too much. We're going to have to turn around and go back, and you won't be reaching your destination. That doesn't happen. <laughs> we they we go through that. The pilot takes you through that that uh, turbulence, and the, and you endure that. It may be uncomfortable, but there are plans in place. You have to put your seatbelt on. You have to stay seated. You have to put your chair in an upright position, and your tray takes table stacked away, so there are all these things that you have to do, but that ensures that you, get, you are safe and that you, you, will, you will reach your destination, um, and then you, you, then you get to experience the wonderful beach. And that's what we need to do as followers of Christ. We need to have plans and strategies in place to be able to endure when the hardships come. And that is what we're going to look at this morning. We are continuing our series on Nehemiah, part four, and he was a man of great endurance. So can I pray for us? Father, thank you that we get together. Thank you that we get to open your word. And thank you for wonderful people that there was written about, about how wonderful they were able to follow you and endure in because, of, because of you. Father, And I pray that as we read your word, that you will open our hearts, open our minds, Father, that we will be able to focus on you and minister to us, minister to us Father. You know, come and speak to us and come and change us. And Father, I pray that I am just a vessel, that it will be you speaking to, to your people. I pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. So let's read from Nehemiah 4, verse 1 to 23. I'm reading from the NIV. I'm just going to put this. When Sanballat heard that they were rebuilding the wall, he became angry and was greatly incensed. He ridiculed the Jews, and the presence of his associates and the armies of Samaria said, What are those feeble Jews doing? Will they restore their wall? Will they offer sacrifices? Will they finish in a day? Can they bring the stones back to life from those heaps of rubble, burnt as they are? Tobiah the Ammonite, who was at his side, said, What are they building? Even a fox climbed up on it would break it down their wall of stones. Hear us, O Lord, for we are despised. Turn their insults back on their heads. Give them over as plunder in the land of ca- captivity. Do not cover up their guilt or blot out their sins from your sight, for they have thrown insults in the face of the builders. So we, we rebuilt the wall till it reached half of its height, for the people worked with all their heart. But when Sanballat, Tobiah, the Arabs, the Ammonites, and the people of Ashdod heard that the repairs to Jerusalem's walls had con- has gone ahead, and that the gaps were being closed, they were very angry. They all plotted together to come and fight against Jerusalem and stir up trouble against it. But we prayed to our God and posted a guard day and night to meet this threat. Meanwhile, the people in Judah said, the strength of the laborers is giving in, and there is so much rubble that we cannot rebuild it. All that our enemies said before... Before they know it or see us, we will be right there among them and we will kill them and put an end to the work. Then the Jews who lived near them came and told us ten ten times over, wherever you turn, they will attack, attack us. Therefore, I stationed some of the people behind the lowest points of the wall at the exposed places, posting them by families with their swords, spears, and bows. After I looked things over, I stood up and said to the nobles, the officials and the rest of the people, don't be afraid of them. Remember the Lord who is great and awesome and fight for your families, your sons and your daughters, your wives and your homes. When our enemies heard that we were aware of their plot and that God had frustrated it, we returned to the wall, each to their own work. From that day on, half of my men did the work while the other half were equipped with spears, shields, bows, and armor. The officers posted them behind all the people of Judah who were building the wall. Those who carried materials did their work with one hand and held a weapon in the other. And each of the builders wore his sword at his side as he worked. But the man who sounded the trumpet stayed with me. Then I said to the nobles, the officials, and the rest of the people, The work is extensive and spread out, and we are widely separated from another along the wall. Whenever you hear the sound of the trumpet, join us there, our God will fight for us. So we continued the work with half of the men holding spears from the first light of dawn till the stars came out. And at that time also said to the people, have every man and his helper stay inside Jerusalem at night. So they can serve as guards by, by night and as workers by day. Neither I, nor the brothers, nor my men, nor the gods with me took off our clothes. Each had a weapon, even when he went for water. So when Nehemiah arrived in Judah, opposition opposed him. Opposition greeted him as he entered there. And we will later see that Nehemiah had to face opposition after opposition after opposition. He had to keep on enduring again and again and again. So Balat was governor of Samer- Samaria, and scholars believe that Tobiah was governor of Jordan under the Persians. And there's a lot written as to why these government officials were so opposed to Nehemiah and to rebuilding of the wall. Sanballat may have hoped to become governor of Judah one day and the arrival of um, Nehemiah may have threatened that. Also, the rebuilding of Jerusalem's walls would be a great threat to the Samaritan officials who was currently in, in control of that, of that land. And this was also the third group of um, uh, Exiles that were returning. So the people were getting more and more and more. And that also threatened their um, control over what was going on in that land. And they didn't want the exiles to be taking control back and threatening the their work that they were doing there. So in any, every generation, there are people that, go, that is going to hate God's work. There are people that's going to want to make sure that God's work and God's people doesn't continue. And we need to be expectant of that. We shouldn't be surprised by the fact that we are getting opposed when we are continuing God's work. In 1 John 1, verse 13, it says, Do not be surprised, my brothers and sisters, if the world hates you. We will, as Christians, have to endure hardships. And as I was reading the scripture, I was thinking about um, the series, The Chosen, we are currently doing it as a live group, and in the intro, there's this song playing, and then there's these animated um, fishes that's all swimming in one direction, and then at a stage, one of the fishes, they, the, um, their color changes, and then they make a little uterine, and then they swim in the opposite direction. So this one little fish is swimming in the opposite direction than all the other fishes, and as it continues, you'll see another one and then another one changing its color and then swimming in the opposite direction. And as this little fish that changed color and swimming in the opposite direction, two or three that's close by also changes color and swip, flips around and swims in the opposite direction. And we are called to swim in the opposite direction of the, what the world wants. We are called to, to, to swim... According to God's direction, where God is calling us to and not what the world says. And we are also called to take people with us when we are swimming in the opposite direction. We are also called to influence people and to invite people to come and swim with us in God's direction and not the direction of the world. In John 17, Jesus is praying for his disciples and and he also says, They are not of this world. We are not of this world. We are God's, and we are called to swim in God's direction. In Nehemiah 4 verse 1, it says that Sanballat ridiculed the jewels. And ridicule can cut deeply. Another word for ridicule is mocking. And mocking despairs, and it hurts. It cuts deep wounds. And he tried ridiculing the Jews and trying to persuade them to stop building And stop doing what God has called them to do. But instead of Nehemiah um, responding in the same way, he prayed. He didn't turn around mocking Sanbalat. He turned around and he prayed to God. He refused to respond in the same way that the world is is, um, acting towards him. And that is what we should be doing we should be refusing to responding in the same way that the world is responding to us. We should be praying when we are experiencing turmoil. And we should be refusing to get discouraged. He didn't get discouraged. He could, the um, Sanbalat mocked and mocked and mocked, and he didn't stop. He didn't get discouraged. He's, he prayed, and he's, he continued his work. So I'd like to look at how Nehemiah responded to opposition. He prayed. And the work of the rebuilding um, of the world continued because in the Scripture says that he had, they had their hearts set on the work. Their hearts and their minds were set on what they were busy doing. They didn't lose faith or give up hope, but instead, instead they persevered in their work. And if God has called you to a task, Determined to complete it, even if you're facing opposition. Be determined to continue working and following God's direction and his call. Nehemiah constantly combined prayer with planning and putting strategies in place. And people trusted him to follow God. And at the same time, kept vigilant prayer over what has been entrusted to them. They kept vigilant um, virginity over the wall that they were currently building and too often we are praying without looking what God wants us to do in that situation. We have to show God that we are serious when we are combining prayer with action and doing what God has called us to do James 2 verse 17 says, in the same way, by faith itself, if it's not accompanied by action, it is dead. We have to pray, absolutely, but we have to do something as well. We have to do the work God has called us to do. The people working on the walls face continuous threats of attack and terrorist attacks of being killed and being mocked. And that demoralizes people. The tension that created, and it adds to fatigue. The Bible says that the Jews got tired. They were tired of being um, threatened by mur- mur- murder or killing or mocking. It, it, it got tired. But Nehemiah took wise and practical steps to make sure that that doesn't didn't happen that, and that his people could continue his work, he stationed guards at obvious weak points. He reminded the workers to keep a weapon close by and to fight for God if that attack comes. And he established duty rotations so that some could do work and some could guard the wall. The preparations for defense and the continuation of the work reversed the effects of the threats and the the possibility of attacks, and obstacles and and foes can either make us work smarter and wiser and continue, or it can completely make us give up uh, give up the um, purpose we are on our way to. And if that happens, if the latter happens, it, they could have not even attacked us at all, but we gave up anyway because just of the threat of it. But if we adjust our living and we continue to work under God's instruction, the opposition will fail. If we endure and if we persevere through that with God's instruction, the opposition and whatever is coming your way will fail. The workers were spread out Along the wall. So Nehemiah devised a plan to defence that would unite and protect his people. Half of the men worked while the other half of the men were um, guarding the wall. He didn't use all his forces to only protect his people. He said, Half of you work, continue the work, and the other half will protect us. It's so important to let our work continue even in hardships, and not have all our resources just guarding everything, making sure nothing falls out of place, but continuing what God has called us to within persevering in that moment. And we as Christians need to help one another as well. We can get so afraid and worries about uh, worried about possible dangers that we completely give up the purpose that we are on our way to. And having a community that we can Um, trust on and push on buttons saying I need some help here it's so important God has called us to do that and it made me think about our series invite people invite your friends and family to our purpose series it's so good for us to know what we are called to and having a community that works with us and supports us in that perseverance and on that way to our purpose So I couldn't continue reading the whole book of Nehemiah. (laughs) I think a lot of people would have been upset with me. So I decided to make a summary of just what happens in the rest of the book. Because it's so good. um, If you can put that up, please, Ish. Um, It's so good to see um, just a visual one picture of the amount of times Nehemiah had opposition. When he arrived he had opposition. When they start building when they start building it, that he had opposition. When he um, as they were finishing it in, in chapter six and seven, they got opposition again. And not only external opposition, but there were troubles within the Jews as well. He had to face and it's so great in the one book it says, Nehemiah faced his opposition face to face. So he had external opposition, he had troubles within, and he didn't get discouraged or demotivated. He took that head on. And we can take that head on because of Christ, because we are moving in God's direction. And so they ended up building the wall in 52 days, which I think is amazing. Like that, that's, yeah, that's really good. And um, it also says, the scripture says that the enemies knew that God had done it. They knew that, 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 that there was God and his people who did that and were able to finish it. And after the wall, wall was built, in chapter 8 and 9, it says that Ezra led the people into worship and, he, um, and into uh, God's law. And it says that there was a revival that took place. Nehemiah 9, verse 3 says, They stood there, no, they stood where they were and read the book of the law of the Lord their God for a quarter of the day, and spent another quarter in confession and worshipping the law, the Lord their God. And then verse 5 says, Stand up and praise the Lord your God, who is from everlasting to everlasting. How amazing is that, that because of Nehemiah's endurance and space of perseverance, that that led to a revival, that that led to a place where there were so many people that were just praising God, worshiping, and um, faithfully serving him again and again. And the rest of that that whole chapter 9 that I just read, it's just about them praising God. It's just written about what God has done, and then giving Him praise, 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 and again. And I want us to picture, picture us pushing through. Picture yourself pushing through hardship, and that leads to revival. It's not just about getting a wall rebuilt. It was about so much more. The picture of us pushing through our hardships is so much bigger than our here and our now. It wasn't just about building the wall. It was about all these other people realizing that they cannot do anything without God. And all the praise and all the worship belongs to Him. We, can, we can't imagine how big that picture is when we have to push through. We only see the here and the now. But what a privilege it is to be able to be part of that bigger picture, be part of that revival, or whatever it is. Hebrews 12, I don't have it on the, um, on the screen, it's from the message. It says, keep your eyes on Jesus. <laughs> Not yet. <laughs> um, Hebrews 12 from the message, it says, keep your eyes on Jesus who both began and finished this race we're in. Study how he did it, because he never lost sight of where he was headed. That exhilarating finish in and with God, he could put up with anything along the way, cross, shame, whatever. And now he's there in the place of honor, right alongside God. When you find yourselves flagging in your faith, Go over that story again, item by item, that the long lenity of hostility he plowed through, that will shoot adrenaline into your souls. Jesus endured a lot of worship, ah, um, hardship. Sorry, he got mocked, he experienced heartache. He endured times of anger and frustration and opposition after opposition after opposition. He endured all of it, and he was able to do that because he had his father's will in mind while he was doing it. He never lost sight of where he was headed and why he was there, and he was able to just push through all of that. He kept on teaching, he kept on ministering, he kept on doing miracles, even if the people around him got frustrated, the officials were angry and upset and calling him in all kinds of things. He kept on pushing through. I'd like to play as a song. Um, And I want to invite you, it's just uh, a small part of it, but listen to the words and and just open your heart and your mind to what God wants to say to you this morning. you what you feel when you listen to those words when you listen to that song that God is a God of refuge and he's a God of strength I am greatly inspired and I feel that I'm able to go out and endure and it's not because it's a pretty pretty song or because it's pretty words or it's a pretty melody but it's truth It's God's truth, the Bible tells us over and over again that he is our refuge, he is our strength, he is our shelter and he is our hiding place. We find rest in him and it's because of that that we can endure. Whatever you are facing, whatever you are going to face going forward and whatever you face behind us, you can endure and you can push through because you are never alone. Our our end goal is eternity with Him, and that's going to be amazing. I cannot wait. But that's not the only promise. The promise is that God is with us now in that hardship. He's with us. He's our refuge every single day. If you are facing health problems, if you are facing terrible work circumstances, if you are facing parenting, if you are facing whatever it is, God is with us every moment. He's our refuge in that moment. And it's because of that that we can endure. If we keep that as our focus, Jesus, you are our focus, and you are with me. I'm not alone. This morning, we said that the Holy Spirit is in us, and that's why we can endure. Not because we are great, but because He is great, and He's got us, and we are moving In His direction, we are fishes swimming in the opposite direction, and that's okay. Because God is with us, and we are going to eternity with Him. So I want to encourage you to, whatever you are facing, you can endure it. You can build your wall. And I want to encourage you to take people with you. Influence and trust people and inspire people to build with you your wall. God's wall and God's will. Can I invite you to stand and pray? Let's let's pray together. Father, thank you that we can look at hardships and not get discouraged. Thank you that we can be in hardships and not get discouraged. Father, it's hard and you know it's hard. Jesus, you experienced hardships you experienced, pain and turmoil and mocking, so you know Jesus. It's so hard, but we can do it because of you. Thank you that you died on the cross. Thank you that you endured over and over again. Thank you for persevering over and over again. Thank you that you are victorious. You are victorious, Jesus. And we praise and we worship you for that. And because of you being victorious, Father, we are victorious in you. Father, I pray that as we look at hardships, as we have to endure hard things, Father, that we will not get discouraged. Father, that we will pray, that we will pray, that we will be just leaning on you, Father that we may continue your work, Father, that we will continue our hardships, Father, that we will have plans and strategies in place, whether it's devotional time, whether it's life group, whatever that is, Father, that we will put those things in place to be able to endure when hardships come. Father, I pray that you'll give us the strength. You are our strength, Father, and I pray that we will just lean on you, And forget about the world and what it's doing, Father. And just have our eyes focused on you. Thank you for your love. And thank you that we know we are so loved and we are never alone. Thank you, Jesus. Amen.
1: That's so encouraging, hey? God is with us. Amazing truth. Thank you, Deirdre. That was really good. Please grab a whole bunch of these on your way out. Can I challenge the parents? If your kid is going to a birthday party, you now kids are always at birthday parties, I dare you to take a whole bunch with and give them out to all the parents. Honestly, or you want to influence people like Deirdre was saying and bring them along, throw a party with your kids. I'm looking at the kids. Tell Dad and Mom throw a party. Just because you want to have other kids and their parents there to hand these out. Honestly, this, is, this can change the trajectory of our kids' lives. It really can. So please grab a whole lot. And then if you'd like any more information about the life groups or the finance courses, please come and chat to me. Otherwise, uh, grab some tea and coffee at the back and have an amazing week. Cheers.
2: You save me. I will trust. I will trust.